The Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Remember to listen to the other podcast on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and the Abstract Veterans Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, beginagaintoys.com, or Amazon, and purchase a Percy King collaborative stacked paint and puzzle kit. And if you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Very excited about the podcast today as I get to speak with entrepreneur, founder of Flame Bearers, and host of the Flame Bearers podcast, Jamie Middleman. Make sure to follow Jamie on Instagram at Jamie Middleman, that's J-A-M-I-E-M-I-T-T-E-L-M-A-N, and Flame Bearers, and stop by her website, flamebearers.com. Let's welcome Jamie Middleman. Close to resolution, but so far away. Waiting, but it's all right. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? I can. <laughs> awesome. Great to meet you. You as well. I start recording, by the way, right off the bat, so we're already in it. So, <laughs> perfect. Um, thank you for doing this. Um, I, you know, like reading about you has been like really cool, um, and so I'm like, it's no. I mean, you know, like I always tell my business partner, I have the cool job because I get to meet new people all the time. Yeah. And and so I want to. I mean, I don't know where to start and ever do like these are just random conversations as far as I'm concerned, but. Uh, just to get like a, a little background that I want you then you to dive in and like take over. But okay. like you have like such an interesting like background in terms of like you started this company, uh, Flame Bearers. Um, I couldn't find what, when you started this, by the way. Like it's been a couple years, I assume. It has. Yeah, three years. Three mm-hmm. years. Um, and like you have like a, a diverse background, like you lived in Bangladesh, like you worked like at a, at a liberal arts school over there. And I want to definitely, I want to hear about that and like what exactly you brought to them. But I think like the thing that is, and I don't want to say this like out the, the cool part about like, I think what you're doing is really bringing to light that we need to pay more attention to diversity and like be equal and and that's a super bad way to say it but it's something that i we talk about um maybe internally not almost externally all the time but and it's actually i had not to like go off base on this but i had a conversation with um i'm friends with the the head photographer for the lakers and i always say that you know he did a book with kobe bryant and I think one of the sad parts about him passing was I think he was really championing women's sports, you know, like, and I think it was going to really elevate women's sports in a different, I don't want to say a different way, but yeah. in, a, in a big way. And, um, and I, I, like, you know, and it's, he's obviously one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but all I think right. that stuff that he was going to do off the court was so important and it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. There's there's such a an important role for ma- male athlete athlete allies to play in this too. And I think that someone like Kobe, who was <clears throat> specifically doing a lot of work with female athletes, could have gone a long way. And it, it is really sad that that we're not going to get to see that. Yeah, a hundred percent. What like why don't you get into a little bit about like what you're doing with flame bears and and like what the goals are like and and you know again i think it's such a cool platform and i i love actually the the paralympic component as well we've actually done some work with a group where i live in in richmond called sportables which is i don't know if you've heard of them maybe not i haven't um but it's like 
like do like the like wheeled wheelchair um tennis uh and, and basketball and different different stuff so it's it's been really cool to like work with them and because it's you know again like i just don't that's what i think is so cool about your organization is it's it's a highlighting that but and and women's sports in general and like why aren't we paying attention to this? You know, I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I do think women's soccer, the, the, the national team has such a great platform, but like why, you know, it's like the, the, the women's, the um, WNBA finals is going on right now. And it's like, you can hardly find it. It's wild. It's wild. Yes. So for those who, you know, who I'm assuming are, are not familiar with my work, um, I started Flame Bears three years ago. It's, the first storytelling platform that specifically tells the stories of female Olympians and Paralympians. And we do so via podcast, video, and live events, all with the goal of centering the stories of the best athletes in the world who are women. Uh, we work with women from every continent and including some of the biggest names, like, you know, the captain of the U.S. national team, Becky Sauer runs down to athletes who are kind of local heroes, but people don't know internationally. Um, the reason we do that is because we believe that everyone has a story to be told, regardless of their level of fame or notoriety. Um, and the reason why this is so needed, you kind of alluded to the fact that it's hard to see the WNBA finals. There's a lot of data to back that up. Historically, 96% of sports media goes to male athletes. So when people talk about sports media, historically, it's just been like male male sports, which is, you know, it is what it is. But I think that, that there's an opportunity for change. So that means that less than 4% of sports media historically has gone to athletes who are women. Yeah. Uh, and, and then of that, pretty much all of it go to women who look like me. So that's white, able-bodied athletes from the global north. Um so there's a massive opportunity just in in terms of broadening the conversation who who is who is featured and but then also how they're talked about so you know are you going to talk about someone with a disability in a pitying way paralympians don't like coming across having their story told like a charity case no one likes to feel disempowered like that are you going to be sexualized and talk about your uniform the whole time that's another faux pas that constantly happens in the media. Are you going to be talking about the cattiness of the girls team and not reporting on the actual stats? So there, there's the quality and the quantity problem in sports media today. And, and the reason we tell stories and, and don't sports report, so we're not providing the updates of what's going on in the game, is because we're trying to get to what I believe is the underlying problem of why people don't watch women's sports is there's historically been a lack of connection and we want people to start to care. And I think the best way you can get someone invested in something is to show a bit of themselves and the people that, that they could watch. So to share stories that are relatable. So you can see kind of, you know, in, in someone like a Sue Bird, you could say, oh, I can actually see a little bit of myself in her. And then maybe you can be a little bit more invested. So that's what we're doing. It's been a blast. It's actually what got me through COVID because these women are so resilient and they were training for an Olympics and a Paralympics that they didn't even know was going to happen. Um, the other question I get is why Paralympians as well? And the, the honest answer to that is um, I started this right at the very beginning of, of Black Lives Matter. And I was having a lot of conversations with my personal friends about the role of white people in being a good ally. You know, is, is it only on people of color to have these conversations around race? And I, I realized that, you know, it, it, it's a hundred percent credit to BLM that as a white person, I, I have a responsibility and an opportunity to have conversations around race. And I applied that to ability too. I think, Historically, the people who work with Paralympians, many of them have physical disabilities themselves. And I realized that as an able-bodied person who, you know, my entire life has never really engaged with that population, that I was not standing up and, and being a good ally. So that's why um, I wish I could say that, you know, this idea struck me earlier and that I've been an ally and a supporter 
of paralympians my entire life that it that's not true um uh, but that that's kind of why i think it's really important that half the athletes i work with um are are people with physical disabilities how i mean like how did you come into this thought process i guess is the best way to say it because you've you've from what i've read like you've worked with yahoo or and, mm-hmm. and Huffington Post and AOL and Verizon. So you were kind of right. in, I don't want to say you're in that corporate space. And yeah. this, and, and so how did, like, what was the, the turn, I guess? What, I mean, it's, it, you know, you, like you said, like you started this during COVID, which is like a re- right. really difficult time. We, <laughs> we actually like, we, we started our business six years ago at this point, but like really kind of flourished during COVID in a strange way because, it was almost like the the muddiness of everything like was gone. And so like there was a kind of a clarity to how we were thinking about what we were trying to do as a brand. And so like, how did, how did this come about? I guess is the best way to say it. It's kind of, it's very funny. It's actually a COVID adaption. Um, So I had been, I was in graduate school at the time. I was getting a master's of policy um, at the Harvard Kennedy School, and I had been pitching a role that didn't exist. So I, uh, my background, as you mentioned, had been in media and, and communication. So I was familiar with how to communicate, how to get messages across. And I was trying to pitch a role to the International Olympic Committee to essentially do what I'm doing now to champion f- the the female athletes who compete in the Olympics and the Paralympics. And I spent months networking my way to the board, trying to get in front of the right people. And then COVID happened. And they said, we have no idea what's going to happen with the games. They ended up being postponed for a year. But I was lucky to be in an environment um, in grad school where I could apply for funding. And they were very supportive of my idea. So I basically said, fine, I guess I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. I read every book on podcasting and interviewing. Um, I talked to anyone who would talk to me. I built up a team of advisors who's been in this space before. And I said, okay, I guess I'm going to just jump in and do this. Um, And it was very scary, (laughs) if I'm going to be honest. Uh, You know, getting behind the microphone and talking to literally some of the best athletes in the world. And in the beginning, kind of faking it till I made it, to be honest. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I didn't want these athletes to know that I was a little intimidated and nervous to talk to them that, you know, but that's a hundred percent how I felt. And then it started to take off. Now we have listeners in 49 countries We're we're kind of the platform to, to do, to tell these stories. But in the beginning it was, you know, what works, what doesn't work? What are people liking and reacting to? Um, what are the conversations that people want to hear? We found a lot of people wanted to hear about mental health and what what the what happens to the athletes when they're not competing everyone sees them when they're on the court or the field or the pitch but then what happens the you know the 364 days of the year when the cameras aren't there and the fans go home that's what people were really interested in so that that's kind of when we doubled down on this story piece of okay who are you and and what do you really care about and what is what is your life like look like well and that's that's kind of our platform is that mental health space and talking about physical and creative practices on a daily basis and how it helps. But like I was going to say to you, like, you know, I, I, I've talked to different people in different forms, like uh, that Olympians like are really on the top, not to say it in this weird way, but the top of the food chain dealing with mental health issues because that stress of you have one time in a four year period to succeed and and then like and it's that i mean it's i think it's did did you would did you play sports growing up and stuff i I did i did and i thought i was competitive though you know (laughs) to be honest when when i speak with these athletes i do not even mention that i was an athlete because (laughs) because my my athletic achievements pale in comparison to them as as an individual talking to you right now yes i consider sports an important part of my identity but no when talking with literally the best in the world i i leave with my marketing expertise (laughs) well but it's it's i think like i i could have played professional baseball and my parents wanted me to go to school and i went to ohio state and played 
but I got redshirted and then I, I should not have been in school. So it's like, I think just com- I'm bringing the story in like to yeah. when, when an athlete's done that cliff there is there's, it's real. I mean, and it's not just for athletes. Like, you know, we work with veterans and, and just like when that, when that thing ends that we're defined as it's a really difficult place, unless you have something that, you know, like that's why we're, what we're trying to do is, Hey, we're all creative beings. Like, it doesn't mean you have to paint. It doesn't mean you have to draw, like write music, do poetry, whatever, like the thing is that you like, it doesn't mean it has to be a career, but like those things, it's just good for your mental health. Like, do you like, so I love that you're like, you're talking about that as well on your, in your platform about, and it's obviously like, it's something that you, like in your storytelling, it's, it's part of it, I assume, like really big part. A hundred percent. Um, a hundred percent. And to be honest, the other, the other thing that I, I failed to mention in terms of why I did this, and I think this kind of plays to your question of why we have these bigger conversations I um, I wouldn't have had the guts to to create this if I hadn't lost my dad. So I lost my dad right before I founded this. He had brain cancer, and then I almost lost my mom within a year. Just really terrible timing. And I think it was those two things back to back that gave me the courage to really look in the mirror and be like, "What are you doing with your life, Jamie? What what is this? Do you want to go back to the corporate world?" You know, is that really going to make you happy? You know, you're not going to go hungry. Like you'll be able to put food on the table. You're like, you're one of the lucky ones. What do you really want to do? And I think it was the fact that I lost, I lost one of my greatest role models. And then, you know, my mom came very sick to, to passing that made me realize that I wanted to have conversations that were bigger, that were about who people are and what they care about. And, and also the things that they struggle with. Um, so exactly to your point, not just the rosy, great stuff that everyone hears about. Oh, yes, I won another gold medal. But what happens when you fall? What happens? How did you get back up again? Because in that period, I was really struggling. I And I think in a certain way, this work actually unconsciously kind of became my own personal rescue mission that in a certain way, I was leaning on these athletes to pick me up and I didn't even realize it. I was spreading hope, but through working with them and championing their stories, it actually helped me a lot. Oh, I, a hundred percent. I feel the same way when I'm doing these conversations as well. It's like, because there's, there's like like-mindedness and, and empathy and understanding, I guess, with yeah. maybe in completely different ways, like me, you know, like obviously growing up in different environments and blah, 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 but we have shared experiences and like you know you talked about that idea of losing your father and it's it almost it's like those things i i say this to people all the time it's just they're like grounding moments where it's like all the bullshit of like the daily bullshit it just doesn't matter doesn't matter and and like (laughs) these no i mean i think the like these conversations do where it's like you know i i just was recording with somebody yesterday you know for the podcast and talking about like he he dealt with addiction and and he's you know recovered now which is great and 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 he was just like you know maybe my story can help somebody and i think yeah. like what you're doing is like having these story like storytelling is beautiful because again it's like you might be talking to somebody that I have i have no connection with or whatever but there's like that one thing that i oh i yeah. that's a shared experience and that can help us get through. Cause I do like, I was had somebody or did you know, I talked to a former uh, football player for the New Orleans saints. And, you know, we had these conversations every once in a while. And it's like, just getting to this point to realize that mental health is like an epidemic at this point. Like, I 100%. mean, and, and, <laughs> and COVID like obviously did not help in that respect, but it's, it, it's just like, what, what can we do? Like, you know, like it's always going to be there. I think the the beautiful part to me is that we now finally talk about it. <laughs> like when I was growing up, there was no talking about it. Like I, you know, I, I'd say this to my, I teach at Virginia Commonwealth and I was saying this okay. to my students the other day is like when I was playing baseball, I literally ruined a guy's baseball career. I hit a baseball off of his eye and, oh. and blew up his eye orbital. And not one coach said anything to me 
And so like I had to deal with it, but that's just back. It was like, yeah. you know, tough guy. You had to be a tough guy. Tough and, it out. And, and so it's just, it, I think, you know, like what you're doing, like bringing light to like women's sports because it's under or under reported mm -hmm. in, in, in Paralympics, like these things that we need to talk about, like, why the hell aren't we talking about it? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's totally crazy to me. And, and I think change is coming. It, it's interesting. I, I, I had the opportunity to work with the the first U.S. national soccer team. So you mentioned the U.S. soccer team today having an incredible platform. And I am so excited and love to, to see the fact that they do. During the Women's World Cup, I did a, a whole series with the first national soccer team in the United States. So this is the 1985 team. And I co-hosted it with Michelle Akers, who is literally known as the GOAT in so women's soccer. She's FIFA player of the century. And we interviewed one of her teammates, Cindy Gordon, who was on that founding national team. And she talked about being sexually assaulted by one of her former coaches and how she hid this for 20 plus years because she was ashamed and she she felt she didn't know what to do and was intimidated and the fact that she she basically said i want to tell this story because if there's one person who hears this who's had a similar experience i want them to know that they can reach out to me yeah. and that i went through this and that you don't have to hide it like i did for 20 plus years um so i do to your point i do think there's tremendous power in, in community and being able to have a coach walk up to you and say, hey, I noticed you. this just happened. How are you doing? Yeah. Or to have a random stranger DM you on, on Instagram and say, you know, your story impacted me and I know I'm not alone. That that really saves, saves people's lives. And it, it sounds trite and maybe it sounds silly, but I've, you know, I worked with Deja Young, who's a, a two-time Paralympic gold medalist, and she's really outspoken about her her attempted suicide um, when she was in college. And she now literally will reply to every single DM message she gets because she doesn't want anyone to go through what she did. Yeah. No, I, I, it is like, there's something it's, it's sometimes it's hard. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, just because there's a lot of weight in that, in, in having, but it's also, it's, it's rewarding, like, because like your voice, meaning hers or yours or our, mine or whatever, yeah, yours. like mm -hmm. really, really can change, um, a person's direction. And, and I don't know, like it, it is like, I, I do, I think about these things a lot. Cause again, like I work with students all the time and then through the business working with people all the time. And it's like this constant dialogue and I get messages all the time and very sure. like very like rewarding like students will reach out and just say like this is the best class ever you know like you like uh, you wow. know it is like it's it's really it's um just be I think it's it's interesting like I I my business partner I talk about this like I try to teach like a coach because I think mm. teaching is interesting because usually and I'm an art teacher. So there, there is a little bit more individual stuff, but coaches deal with individuals, teachers teach groups. And I mm. try to teach like a coach in the sense that I want to deal with the individual. And, and I think it's, I don't know. It's just an interesting, I'm like playing this in my head right now. I'm like, yeah. mumbling, but I, I don't know. Like, do you like, I guess that's one of the things that I like why I was going that direction is like, how do you like do you work with people on these levels and in an individual capacity or workshops like obviously you're the storytelling is out there yeah but what is what is kind of the process of of what you're doing outside of that it's it's a hundred percent individualized and customized to who they are so before we even sit down for a conversation um I know pretty much everything that's ever been published on that athlete that's accessible online. So, so I do my homework. I, I basically um, look at their social media profiles. I read their articles. I, I see who their friends are. What do they care about? And then what I do is I usually ask the athlete what they want to focus on. 
So we try to not come into a conversation with a script of like, hey, these are the 10 right. questions I'm going to ask you. But I'll say, hey, Sue, hey, Becky, hey, insert name. I noticed that you've been talking a lot about this lately. Is this something you'd want to focus on? Or is there another direction you'd want to take this in? And the reason I, I do it that way, sometimes I, I like to throw out one or two ideas because sometimes athletes are so busy, they don't have the time. But then other times, you know, I don't want to anchor them or ground them in specific things if that's not what they want to focus on. So usually athletes pretty come back pretty quickly and say, no, I want to focus on, you know, racial justice, or I want to focus on pay inequity, or I want to focus on disability bias. And then what I do is I come up with a whole list of questions. I actually send it to them before the interview and they'll say, nah, I don't like these. I like, like, ask me this, you know, and this is the one thing that's off limits. So really what it's kind of a, a whole process before we even get behind the mic. And then after we do that, there's the opportunity for them to uh, bring in people who they want to contribute to their episodes. So you could say, hey, I, I want my my partner, my parents, and my coach to come in because they played important parts in my life and I want to give credit to them. And I think that they would have a unique perspective on me. So then we sit down with those people and ask similar questions, but about the athletes. And then what happens is after we have a full episode, we send it to the athlete and say, hey, do you feel like this portrays you in a in a fair way? And this is actually really unique because I'm sure you know, most people don't do that. Most people say, I got the footage, I'm running with it. And I think with this demographic in particular, trust is really important because so many female athletes in particular have been kind of burned by the media. So it's really important to me that, you know, at least to give every athlete I work with a very fair representation. Now, that doesn't mean everything is going to be rosy and perfect. If they said something that's contentious, I'm going to want to include that because I think it's interesting. And usually they're fine with it. But I think it's really important to take that extra next extra step to know for them to know that I have their back. I'm not going to screw them over. The abstract athlete get stacked paint and puzzle kit creative exercise designed in collaboration with former Ohio State Buckeye and NFL player Percy King create art as exercise for the mind. Order one of our art kits today, available at theabstractathlete.com, beginagintoys.com, or on Amazon. The Abstract Athlete, where art and sport collide. No, I, it's, I, I think that's like, it is, that's pretty intense. Like, it's intense. That, that, I mean, that, that the back, because like, like, it is like, you know, the, the research that goes in, you know, it's like, for me, it's fun, but it's like, I yeah. also have three other jobs. Like I'm a full-time teacher. I'm a full-time <laughs> artist. Look, I, I'm a CEO of the business as well. Like the podcast is just a part of the business, but yep. the research is, is for me, it's like just fun to like find out about people. So I'm, but you're the, like, what you're doing is like, wow, like that's, that's pretty intense to like go that deep in, ter in terms of the back and forth between the, the interview and, and, and the process, I guess. Cause for me, it's like, I just like having these random conversations, right. because, Yeah. but it's, you know, like not everybody, cause I have had interviewees that like, what are you going to ask me? And it's like, Oh, well, you know, it's, and I usually kind of give them a, a general feel about it sure. is there is there anybody like that you have not interviewed that you want to i really want to interview simone biles okay. and naomi osaka the the rationale for that um so both of them are outspoken advocates for mental health Absolutely. um and i think simone got a lot of flack in the last olympics for for what she for taking a break for stepping away um when she was not feeling well and i would love to help elevate her side of the story because she hasn't really shared a ton about that. She's also, her and Naomi have both done a lot of, um, a lot of advocacy around racial justice work as well. So um, Simone recently has been supporting a couple of girls on Instagram who were unfairly treated. Naomi, of course, you know, during COVID always wore face masks or hats um, with messages. And I, I think both are 
incredible role models. So Simone and Naomi, if you're listening, <laughs> chat. <laughs> you can come on our podcast as well. No, Simone, I mean, like Simone, like returned with, oh, I mean, my God, like coming out and winning. The, incredible. All, I mean, she's just, uh, it's insane how, how uh, it's, it's just amazing to me, like how incredible she is. I it, One thing that I always ask, because like, I think it's, I personally find this really interesting is like role. I don't want to say role models per se, but people that like influence you, like, or, you know, and it can't, like for you, it's like interesting because you kind of have your feet in so many different spaces yeah. sort of, because like you're obviously in, in like this corporate space of sorts, like you're like, you've started your own, you know, you're an entrepreneur, but you work in a, in a, in the sports world and somewhere like, but obviously like you, you mentioned your parents, they obviously yeah. they're like hugely influential, but like maybe teachers as well. Like, but people that like really kind of elevate the way that you think or, or move or, or I don't know the best way to say it, but. <laughs> totally. Um, a hundred percent. I had a number of teachers, um, who were incredibly influential in my life. Teachers, in lower school, middle school, high school, college, um, even graduate school. And I think it was those early teachers who encouraged me and, and kind of inspired me to even become my first job out of college. I was a teacher. That was what I that was what I became because I saw the power of education to really change people um, and to improve their lives. I, I, I so I, I give credit to, to those people. I also think um, some of my earlier coaches were really influential for me. So I, I, I was a three sport athlete in high school and I played soccer in college for two years. And my high school club soccer coach was a very influential person in my life, how he brought our team together, how he, how he brought the players to, to think of themselves in terms of one and not individuals was really inspiring. And I think one of my main takeaways from him was, was, the power of teamwork. And I, I've always been a team first person. And I think one of the hardest parts of my job right now is not being back in that corporate environment where, you know, you're surrounded by dozens of people. I have a team of seven right now and they're great, but they're from all over the world. So, you know, it's, it's not like we can go hang out at the water cooler, <laughs> but yes, a hundred percent. I, I got to where I am because of the incredible role models that, that I had. And, you know, well, actually, some of them are also my peers. I have some friends who I really consider my role models, people who've gone through things or dealt with situations in ways that I really respect and admire. Um, my best friend from college, Jalissa, and my friend since I was three, Layla, are two women, two individuals who I think just have totally blown me away. And with how they've dealt with personal tragedy and um, also some really incredible professional opportunities showed me a lot. And I think that's something that I've tried to do is, is take my peers and even people like professionally, quote unquote, below me and see what I can learn from them too. Yeah. Well, that was one, you know, like I wanted to touch back on it and you kind of mentioned it. Like yeah. you, you said you start the first job you had out of college yeah. was as a teacher. was that, was that the, the, when you were in Bangladesh and like, what was that? What were you yeah like, what did you do? Cause it was a, it was a liberal arts school. And so yeah. I'm, like, I'm always curious, like liberal arts schools are like really fascinating to me. Like, and because I think they, <laughs> they do, because I think they, they, they adapt and kind of, they move better with society than like sure. universities to me like that. Yep. You know, I, I, I'm, I work in a university, but I academics to me are like very stale sometimes. And 100%. so interesting. <laughs> You're preaching to the choir on that one. I went to a liberal arts. I went to Middlebury undergrad, okay. so a small, small liberal arts school in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought I wanted to be a teacher and I was always really passionate about working with women and girls like that. That's kind of been the thing that lights me up historically, you know, in, in high school, I would, you know, work at a soccer camp and I would coach, you know, middle school girls or I'd be a summer counselor at a camp and, and work with that demographic. I thought that teaching could, you could literally change people's lives. And I think that it, I, I thought that that was going to be my medium. So the education system in Asia has, has historically not been 
liberal arts. Actually, it's quite the opposite, where it's more based on memorization. Mm-hmm. And there's a lack, in, and this is a broad, broad generalization, but there's a massive loss of critical thinking. And pair that with a lot of different cultural expectations for women who don't challenge things. And you get a lot of women who are just go with the path which they're assumed. So I thought this would be really cool to combine kind of two of my my interests, you know, teaching and, and working with people and then also working with women and girls. So this university is called the Asian University for Women, the first liberal arts school in Asia, located in Chittagong, Bangladesh. I also love to travel to put myself in very different situations. Uh, had never been to Asia at the time. And, you know, Bangladesh is a Muslim country. So it's very different for me as a white woman to to go over there, a little 22-year-old Jamie uh, who grew up outside of Boston, very, you know, relatively privileged lifestyle. And here I am working with girls, you know, who had acid thrown on them when they were younger, who can't go outside after dark, who, you know, have very, very different lifestyles than me. And um, I loved it. I, w- I was an English grammar teacher because they spoke 17 different languages between them. They, you know, they're from Afghanistan and Pakistan and Sri Lanka and China, all over the place. So English was the common denominator. And my job was making sure that um, that they are prepped to go enroll in this this college, this liberal arts college the following year. I also started to take on communications work for the university. And that's kind of where my love of communications came because I realized that as a teacher, I was limited to impacting the 14 students in my classroom versus through communications and media, you could impact hundreds, thousands, potentially millions or even billions of people and shape how they think. So I I ended up doing some communications work for the university too. And that was when I really started to see communications as a tool. And nowadays people talk about the media influencing how people think in a really bad way. But at the time I was thinking of it in a very altruistic way of wanting to help people. I'm curious, like there, I, I know on one of your sites, it might've been that I was looking, there was, there was a video on there and thinking about like media and and that platform that you are creating or have created evolving how you know it's like i think it said something like you know we do podcast videos and events is mm-hmm. do you imagine this platform getting into like television or to documentaries or to feature films or anything like that i mean like again like there's it, you're totally. still, you're still <laughs> like, I still consider our business in the infant stage in some capacity as it grows, even, you know, it's getting bigger and bigger. Is there, is there that, that thought about like what this can be in that kind of space? A hundred percent. So you're hitting on like my, my long-term goal. That's what I, all right. Sweet. <laughs> exactly. So my, my dream is that in five to 10 years, Flame Bears is, the platform that people know us internationally as when they think of stories of the best female athletes in the in the world, they think of us and the mediums that we work across could be as countless as exactly what you need. So the reason why we've, you know, historically focused focused on a smaller number is because we want to do our work really well. Uh, but eventually down the line, yes, I think any way that you can tell stories via documentary, television, there's so many art, there's so many different ways that you can tell stories. And I would love to expand to to bring their stories to light in all of them. The the only constraint is making sure that the quality pairs with the growth. And that's that's kind of why why we've been slow and steady uh, or slow to expand. But that's ex- exactly the direction that we want to go in. Um, actually, as as we speak, I'm con- I'm working on what we hope could be our first documentary series. So um, we'll see. Fingers crossed it comes to light. No, it's like we we have our first documentary coming out here within the next couple of weeks, literally. Um, Congrats. And it's, you know, like in our heads when we were doing this, it was thinking about, you know, almost, and, and I, I was, it, while you were talking, I was thinking about all those like ESPN 30 for 30s. And I'm like, yep. I'm finding it hard to like, is there one on a woman 
<laughs> and I like, I'm literally, I'm not, you know, I'm not even thinking of one. I know that there might've been one, like it might've been that E60 on the, on the, again, the, the women's national team, but I'm like sitting here, like thinking about like, Real men. <laughs> I can't. I, 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 Real men. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and so, like, our, you know, our first documentary is actually, strangely enough, it's about a former student of mine, and oh, Af- wow. African American, and he'll say this this way, like he was born in the wrong neighborhood, you mm. know, and yeah. you know, and he like was literally selling crack when he was eleven to support the family, went to jail, yeah. and now like art kind of saved him. Like he, you know, he got wow. a, a, an undergrad degree, like, uh, he's like teaching now, like he's taught kids in juvenile centers and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a hard story in a lot of ways and it's about him, but it's also, it's like, this happens everywhere. Like, everywhere. why is this, you know, why is it like this? Why is it that somebody's born and their life is yeah. determined for them because they're born in the wrong neighborhood? And like, and, and like I had, I had a friend that um he he had a i can't remember the name of it but he like he worked in this again like a a wrong neighborhood a, whatever like and it was a bicycle kind of riding with with youth in that area and he he took them down we used to have those monuments down here in Richmond he took them down right. and and the kids didn't even know anything about them and and it's like oh. and, and it was interesting because it's like you know First of all, I'm glad they're gone, but whatever, you know, like that's neither here nor there, mm-hmm. but it's like <laughs> to them, it was, it wasn't going to help them, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and, and so it's like, it was really interesting to hear him say this, <clears throat> but it's also, it's like the sadness of them knowing or thinking that they were never going to leave like that 10 block radius or whatever. And it was yeah. like taking them down to that space was you know, it's literally like two miles away or something, but it's like, the, and I don't, it's just, it's weird to think about, you know, those things and what matters internally, externally, whatever. Totally. Totally. It's, um, I can't wait to watch that. I would definitely want to watch it when it comes out. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll get you the code. It should be, it's in the last phases of editing and, and sound and, um, um, his name is Jaraz. He's awesome. Um, wow. he's a, he's a oh. great artist. And, and again, like it's, I don't know, like I, we, we have like lots of documentary ideas, probably like you do, but it's, it is, it gets that slow burn. It's like, you can't, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm unfortunately the gas, like foot on the gas, like, let's go. And my let's business, go. my business partner, thankfully is like a slow and steady, um, I think there's a balance between the two, but yeah. like, you know, thankfully, like we, we, we've been friends for like 30 something years now. And, oh, incredible. Um, incredible. We literally met working at a record store. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, so it's, it's kind of, you know, funny to think about and just kind of wow. became buddies over music and sports and, and like now we're both creatives and, and all that stuff. So very but, cool. You know, like, well, you're your point of being born in the wrong, wrong zip code. I, completely i see with the athletes all the time and they're like no export saved my life if i didn't have this i would have gone down a very different path 100 percent. yeah and i think that that's like those are the things that like how do we change that in the world and it's like that's a daunting question obviously um like i think again like physical and creative activities you know again like the platform that we're on is is such a great thing because we all can do these things it doesn't mean we have to be professional in either one of them but like mm-hmm. going out for a walk in nature or whatever it clears the mind sitting down doodling clears the mind uh it doesn't mean that those things aren't still there but it's just good it is good it so. is good yeah a hundred percent and to your point a lot of the a lot of the athletes I've worked with have creative sides to them that they are exploring. And it actually is very grounding for them. I mentioned Deja. She's a painter. She's an incredible painter. And it's kind of part of their daily routine. It's something that actually makes them perform better. They, they're like, oh, I need to do A, B, or C activity in order to show up on the, on the court or the track or the field. And that if I don't do that, I feel like a part of me hasn't, hasn't, um, 
hasn't exercised in the same way. It's, it's a different muscle or it's a different activity that serves them in the same way that getting in the gym does. No, and that's that's what I, I I actually talk to athletes, former pro athletes, and and now my students. So like, what happens if you before you have a game or practice, you just sat down and drew? Like hmm. you're going into these practices then or these games with like less of that like as a baseball you know i played like you i played ba baseball basketball and football so i had three sports in in high school mm -hmm. like, but like the less you think the better because like the better it, yeah because <laughs> it like the, you know athletes always talk about the game slowing down and it's like it slows down because you're not thinking as much you're just reacting and mm -hmm. and it's like so if you go into these games like with kind of calm after like sitting down and doing something creative. I think it just benefits you as an athlete. I love that. I so. love that. You're inspiring me. I used to, <laughs> I used to paint all the time and I, I miss yes. it. Get back I miss to it. it. I need to get back to it. I, that's my medium is painting, except for I'm becoming horribly addicted to wildlife photography. I, Ooh. I drive out well, I'll send you some pictures. I drive out West, like all the time. I mean, oh, a bus cool. business partner lives in, in Colorado anyways, but we actually, oh. we actually, and this is something maybe for us to think about collaboratively in the future is sure. we, we bought 20 acres of land in Montana. Oh um, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, well, with the idea of thinking of it as like an artist athlete residency and um, like to do Very workshops cool. or, you know, like go there and meditate, what, you know, whatever. And sure. It's just land right now. We, you know, we're still building the idea of what we're trying to do and trying to get our finances together. Um, right. <laughs> but, but that idea, like, I, again, like, I think like the connection of what you're doing, you know, um, would be like really interesting to have some of those totally. athletes out there. So I love that. Definitely but, would love to continue that. Yeah, that, uh, conversation. that conversation will continue. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I, you know, again, I, I'm really glad we connected on this um, because I do, I think what you're doing is so important and so valuable. And I look forward to like promoting you guys um, and what you're doing as well. And the one thing that I always ask at the end, because I always, I was also a singer in my back in oh, the day wow. and I still I okay. still write music but I write music for every episode so I always want to know what kind unless if you have any musician friends that want to donate a song to the episode that I'll obviously promote it but if not what what style of music would you like that I can Ooh. yeah <laughs> this, is, is, this is an a la carte service here I love abstract it athlete. this is so cool <laughs> very cool um I love acoustic music. Okay. I love I don't know if that works in this in, in for a podcast, but I love acoustic acoustic work. Okay. Um, something guitar, piano, maybe. Okay, all right. I'll come up with something. Who's like Except your favorite artist? Oh boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> I love I love asking that question though. That is a tough within that genre. I'm gonna go with a very basic question that's probably gonna make your stomach turn. <laughs> Uh, John Mayer, oh, but that, yeah, no, I, I just actually, I actually just saw my, my business partner was a huge deadhead and I've always okay, respected yeah. the dead. And I actually went and saw yeah. the, the dead and company out in Colorado over the summer. Oh, wow. So it, he's great. No, he's, he's great. He's fantastic. He's great. Very um, talented. <laughs> and, and yeah, no, like it, it's, he, uh, he, I can, I, I get it. He's good. So, well, um, I will send you and Emma, right, Emma? Emma, yep. Um, mm -hmm. Some video snippets and some, um, like, picture stuff for posting. This will be out later this month, like in a couple of weeks. Okay. I, I, I release one a week and um, awesome. I've got a couple already in the docket. But no, I'm, I'm really glad, like I said, I'm really glad we, we connected because I think, again, um, what you're doing is like so freaking important and um, just look forward to seeing you guys you. explode. So thank you. And up for cross promoting however we can. Yeah. And and if, hey, if, yeah. you, if you, any of the athletes that like you mentioned Deja, like if you yes. ever want to connect, like, cause again, like the, the creative thing to me is those things. Like if you have any, any people on, if I have any people, like if you ever wanted to talk to, um, the sportable, um, the head of the sportable thing, which is the, um, uh, 
The, what is that? The sportable? The sportable is, it's, it's a local thing that they, the, like the, Oh pit, yes. Um, um, really like, you know, it's like kind of, if you deal with the, like international type stuff, I guess. Um, okay. And so it's like, I can, I, he can definitely connect with, with some, um, you know, wheelchair, uh, Olympians like as, or athletes as well. Um, so yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, I would love that. And let me, Deja has retired. I could definitely, uh, put yeah. feelers that would you, you would want to have her on your podcast itself. Sure. I mean, just, I, yeah. Cause I, I deal with a lot of former athletes that, but okay. just, it's like, it, for me, it's just like that relationship kind of like what we were talking about earlier, that relationship of when you're done with that thing where you're defined as like, the, yeah, the, what happened? Yeah. And so, um, but I'll, I'll, we'll connect or we'll, we'll keep talking e by email and I'll, um, I'll connect you with, and I'm spacing on his name right now from Sportable. Um, okay. um, but he, he has a, is a great hunter, Hunter Lemon. Um, and they, they do like, they did a, um, I think, I don't know if it's international or national, like wheelchair tennis event. Um, the last oh, two very years. Cool. Yeah. It was great. Awesome. We were actually the sponsor two years ago, which was awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there could even be opportunities to bring in like Paralympians to that event. I don't Cause we do totally. like panel conversations, things like that. So no, that would, that would be, be great. That, no, that would be, yeah, absolutely. That would be, that would be cool to like talk about. So I just ran into yeah. it the other day. So cool. Okay. Awesome. We'll have a lovely day and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Sounds good. Great. Thank you so much, Ron. Have a Excellent. wonderful day and great conversation. Bye. So incredibly inspired by Jamie. Such important work that uh, she and the rest of her team are doing. Just love her passion and drive. You can really tell in her voice that this is her life's work really looking forward to all the change I think she's going to make with Flame Bearer's platform. Again, make sure to follow Jamie on Instagram at Jamie Middleman and also at Flame Bearers and stop by her website, flamebearers.com. Do not forget to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network and stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, begin again, toys.com or Amazon and purchase a Percy King collaborative stacked paint and puzzle kit. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.